0: You can be seated at this time. <clears throat> well, as always, I want to welcome you to White Oak this morning. And, uh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm trying to keep it on the down low because I, I, I honestly don't want her to get rushed. But my, my daughter is in the back there with my wife. And so, um, yeah, they're back there. The little munchkin that's, like, tied on to her is right there, so... Um, Halsey's probably going to head out right after just because we're not supposed to have her out yet but we couldn't keep her out another week so we wanted to bring her um, so this is the first sermon my daughter's going to hear that's pretty cool so I'm going to try to preach really good for her uh, but I want to start this morning with, with a story um, there was this uh, struggling motel chain back in the 1980s there was this struggling and fledgling motel chain I don't know what's more depressing than working for a struggling motel chain But there was this motel group that was struggling, and I'm going to tell you the name of it, and it's going to kind of give it away, but it was called Motel 6. And so it kind of gives away some of the end of the story, right, because it kind of works out in the end. But Motel 6 was struggling. They were like a national brand at this point, but like nobody wanted to stay there. And when you're a motel chain and your business is people staying at your place for a night, um, if nobody wants to stay at your place for a night, then you're having a big problem, Right. And so Motel 6 was struggling, and they were trying to, to get it together, and so they uh, decided to improve on their motel chain. So they made their rooms nicer, and they um, made their customer service better, and they redid their logo, and they evaluated their prices, and they basically upgraded their motel. But the problem, as you know, is you can make all the changes in the world and you want, but if you don't get the word out that you're different, and everyone just thinks that you're a nasty old mo- motel chain, it doesn't matter, Right? So uh, so Motel 6 decided to do this like marketing campaign that they were going to hope would save their company. And so uh, they bought all these radio spots on the radio and they were going to communicate their brand new message of how we are so much better now. And yeah, maybe we're not the Marriott and we're not even the Holiday Inn, you know, but we have really affordable prices and we're nice enough, okay? And so they, uh, they began this marketing campaign, and they went out and got this guy who you may or may not know of. His name is Tom Bodette. Uh, I think at that time he wasn't very well known. He'd go on to be a famous author. But they got this guy named Tom Bodette to come in, and they got him because he sounded like the average middle-aged American 40s dab, right? They wanted to get the guy that sounded just like you. And so you'd be hearing his voice in the car uh, representing Motel 6, and you're like, you know what, I want to take my family there for a night or whatever, And so they get Tom Bodette in there, and he has, like, this very warm, good radio voice, but also at the same time just sounds like the average guy. And they get him in there, and they give him this script. And they're like, hey, this this is what you're going to say. And it's had all the things he's supposed to say about how, you know, we're we're nicer now. We have affordable prices and all these kinds of things. Like, here's what you say. And it was a 30-second ad. And so they're running through all the takes of this commercial. And uh, towards one of the, at the end of one of the takes, he's about 22 seconds in, and he said the entire script, but they told him, look, if you're, if you're doing the ad, if you're doing a take, and you run out of stuff to say, just say something, because you have to fill the entire 30 seconds. And so... On one of the takes, he, he mutters this line completely random, completely ad-libbed, wasn't even in the script, but I guarantee you you've heard it because it became like the, 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 the keynote phrase for Motel 6. He, he finishes the script and he says on one of the takes, I'm Tom Beaudet with Motel 6 and we'll leave the light on for you. Raise your hand if you have ever heard that phrase. Well, every, that's crazy. Everyone's heard that phrase before, right? I mean, when I was a kid, I know nothing of Motel 6. I've never stayed at Motel 6. But I know their big phrase is, we'll leave the light on for you. And it was funny because, like, you know, you know, who knows if that phrase saved the company, but when I was in business school, I, I took some marketing classes, and they would tell you, like, that phrase, that phrase alone in that marketing campaign completely saved Motel 6 because I don't know what it is, but there's something really enduring about somebody leaving the light on for you, right? I mean, there's something warm about that. It makes it inviting, like you're, you're welcomed here, right? Because, you know, I mean, imagine if he had said, I'm Tom Bodette with Motel 6, it'll be pitch black when you get here, right? <laughs> that, that, that would not be good because, like, you're like, I, I don't want to do that. It's like, I'm Tom Bodette with Motel 6, bring a flashlight because you can't see nothing, right? And this was important for Motel 6, and think about this. I love how all this makes sense, because Motel 6 is the kind of place where, like, you don't go to Motel 6 usually if you're going to stay for eight days and you're, you're going to hang out at the motel, right? You go to Motel 6 because you're doing something else, you're, you're spending money on the actual trip, and you just need a place to sleep at night, right? So you go to Motel 6 when you're going to roll in at 11.30, right, at night, and you're going to leave at 6 a.m. the next morning to keep driving, right? Like, that's what you do at Motel 6. And so because they knew that was their market and that was their people, they, they, they knew knew that if you said, we'll leave the light on for you, there's something loving and endearing about that. You see, in our world, which most people can't seem to agree on anything nowadays, the idea of light is something that everybody agrees on as something that is good, something that is inviting, something that is welcoming. And in the same way, God tells us in our life that he is light. He, it's one of the ways in which he reveals himself to us. And what I think God tells us in the scriptures is that he is light, but not only is he light, that's, a, that's cool enough as it is, but that he invites us to emerge from our darkness and to come into his light. You know, it's funny, James was talking earlier about how we had a, a bad week, you know, and I know, I kind of did too. Maybe like everyone had a bad, maybe it was just like bad week in Houston, Texas. You know, I kind of had a, a rough week in a lot of different ways, right? It's kind of crazy. I've been tired the whole week. My schedule's off. Got a newborn baby, you know, back to work, all that kind of stuff, you know. It's been, it's been a crazy week and yet it's crazy that in light of all of my darkness, the good and glorious God has not turned out the light on me. There's something special about that. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to 1 John We're going to read two different passages together, and then I got a quick message for us that I'm I'm really excited to share with you this morning. But First John chapter one verses five through ten, and then we're going to read First John chapter two verses seven through eleven. But before I do that, I'm going to give you a little insight into this. This was written by a guy named John. And John was one of Jesus' like closest followers. Uh, he also wrote the Gospel of John, which many of you have probably read. And one of the cool things about John is he referred to himself often as the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? Like what if me as John, like I, I said my name is the, the follower of which Jesus loves, right? That'd be pretty, pretty cool, right? You know, it's like my name is like the follower whom Jesus loves, Wethington, or something. That'd be kind of a cool thing, right? But that's how he described himself. And John was the last living disciple, and he's probably the only guy of all the disciples of Jesus that made it into old age. And so he's writing this at the end of his life in a very elderly, kind of grandfatherly way to the church, encouraging them how they should live and that they should emerge from their darkness and enter into the light of God. And so at this time, will you stand with me and let's, uh, let's read God's word together, starting in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. As always, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen for you. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And then turn to John, First uh, John chapter 2, starting in verse 7. But whoever hates his brother and is in the darkness is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. May God bless this word. Uh, please be seated at this time. And so here's the main idea that, that I want for you this morning, and, and as always. I want you to kind of take off the veil of familiarity, right? Because this might be a text you've heard preached before. And, and you know, this is, this is one of my favorite books growing up. So it's funny. I was reading through this, preparing for the sermon. And it was like, man, I was like wanting a fresh word from God in this text. And kind of the phrase that I just felt really summed up the entire book of 1 John is that God invites us to emerge from the darkness and walk in his light, That God himself is light and beauty and goodness and not only is he so but we can be that as well in this world we have the power to be like him through the power of his Holy Spirit you see what God offers us is a life free of regrets a life free of hiding a life free of shame what God offers us is a life in a humanity where we can rest easy at night. God offers you a life where you can go to bed at night every night and lay your head in the pillow and say, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. I am with God and I'm walking in his lights." And when we begin to walk in the light of Jesus Christ, our former self burns away and the new self begins to emerge. But the the primary reason for this is because of verse 5, which we just read, where it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The reason why we can live in the light is ultimately because God is light. That's the main idea. God is light. And I take this by saying uh, what what John means is that God is truth. And I get that from verse 6 where he says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so what you see in verse 6 is he kind of substitutes the image of light for the word truth. And so what John is saying here is God is light, meaning God is truth. God is all that is good. God is the source by which everything is measured. God brings clarity to our lives. We don't have to wonder, am I doing the right things? Am I living the right way? Is my life full of the right meaning and the right purpose? Because God gives us an image and a standard by which we can look at and by which we can evaluate ourselves by. And this is important in our world today because, you know, maybe you get on Facebook occasionally and you see there's a lot of different opinions out there, right? Or you get on YouTube or you watch cable network news or something and you're like, Man, there's a lot of opinions out there, right? And most people I know, and I think I'm probably in this category too, we think, man, why is there so much disagreement? Like, why do people think so differently, right? And I think what most people would say is because, like, well, some people are smart and other people are really dumb, right? That's what some people say. Well, some people are just smart and they just get it, right? And other people, they're idiots, right? The people across the aisle, they're the stupid ones and they just, I guess, they don't have any home training or something and so they believe stupid stuff, right? And so we have all these disagreements and all these different opinions, and yet the real reason why people don't get along and why we don't agree on a lot of stuff is not because some people are smart and other people are dumb. I think we're all pretty much the same. The reason is because we can't agree on the source. We can't agree on the source from which knowledge comes from and wisdom comes from. You know, some people, the the reason why they disagree is they think the whole end of life is that everybody should be loved and cared for. You should help those in need. Some people think the whole source of good is that we should be left alone to be free and and we should make a life for ourselves. Some people say it's all about the Constitution, some people say it's all about social justice. Some people say the end goal of life is that people would be really, really happy. Some people say the end goal of life is that the family unit would be strong. There's all these different things about what the the source of our knowledge is, and yet what first John proclaims to us in glorious fashion is God is truth. The God is light that God is the source, that when we take this Bible, we let it stand above us, and we read God's word, and we apply it to our life. The problem is everyone wants to stand above the Bible, right? And the Bible is just something we stand on to get a little bit of leverage in this world. And so you've got all these millions of people standing above scripture, and therefore you've got a million different opinions, which therefore leads to what? Like chaos, disagreements, divisions, arguments, But God is light, God is truth, God is clarity, and in him there is no darkness at all. And I think the reason why he uses the image of of light is because, like I said earlier, it's one thing we all agree on, right? Light is valuable because it helps you to avoid danger, right? Light helps you to avoid danger. I was was, uh, shutting down the church after a worship night a couple months ago, and uh, I shut everything down in the church, And all the lights were off... Um, and I got to my car, and I realized that I had forgotten something. I think I forgot my computer or something. So I came back into the church, and the church was pitch black, and it was at night, so it was, like, really, really pitch black, right? It's crazy. Like, White O's campus is pretty cool because there's not a lot of, like, buildings in our general facility, so, like, it's actually pretty dark here at night, which is kind of cool. It's kind of refreshing or whatever, but I came in here, and I was getting my computer, and I was walking in this back hallway over here, right, and all the lights were off, and I grabbed my computer, and I was heading back from my office, and I was going to walk out This hallway, back out to my car, and as I was walking in this hallway, true story, I literally nailed the front of my head on one of those beams. Keith, go, go, knock on that beam. Go, go, show them what that's made of. That thing, no, brother, that that, I hit my head on a beam, steel beam, right. And and true story, I'm I'm not hamming it up, right? I blacked out for probably five seconds and then my wife like freaked out because she's a nurse, you know? She's like, you got to go to the ER, you know? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I hit my head, I I just had a reflex, I fell on the ground and I kind of blacked out for five seconds and I opened my eyes and I was like, whoa, what just happened? That was like really intense. And yet you wonder the crazy thing about it is the reason why I hit my head on that is not because I was distracted, It's not because, like, I was walking through the hallway and someone called me and I was looking at my phone. It wasn't because I dropped something. It wasn't because I was looking at the ground or I was tired. I was literally looking straight forward. I was, my eyes were open completely. I was looking forward and I still nailed my head on it because there was no light. And the reason why a lot of people can't seem to like figure it out in their life or get it together, they're like, I'm trying and my eyes are open and I'm doing my best and I'm doing all these things, I'm doing the right stuff, I'm not distracted, right? The reason why they can't figure it out in life is because their eyes are open, but there's no light in their world, there's no truth. There's nothing guiding them. There's nothing leading them the way they need to be going. Your eyes can be open, but if there is no light, what value does your eyes being open even have? So, light is valuable because when you open your eyes, you can see things. And God is light. God shows us what the world is and what the world is about. Light is also valuable because it helps us find our goals in life, it helps us get from A to B. Light reveals the way. And so in this, God is light, he reveals what is good, he protects us, he reveals the way, he's glorious, and his truth is the truth in the world. But, but here's the wonder, and here's how this applies to your life this morning. We are warmly invited to walk in this light. We are warmly invited to walk in his light Let's look at uh, chapter one, verse six. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's so amazing. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I think one of the like, main differences that we as the church have from maybe people who would say they're, they're not a part of the church or people who are, who are not Christians is we just have a really different view on like what sin is, right? When I say the word sin, I know it sounds like negative, it sounds like downer, it sounds like we're being really hard on ourselves and there's a lot of self-help books and like their whole plan for your life is just think really positive. Basically, a lot of self-help books just say just lie to yourself until you feel better. That's really what the premise of a lot of self-help books are. Think positively, right? You're a horrible person, but just think positive, right? And you'll be better. But what the Bible says is that sin is is darkness and that sin is how the enemy lures us into the darkness. Sin is the way in which the enemy distracts us from God's call and plan for our life, right? Sin is a deception. It's a distraction, right? It it lures us into things of the world and it's money and it's lust and it's... um, pride and its possessions and its success and all these things that we're told we should go after and so what the world does is say man you should live your whole life around these things and then people pursue all these things and then they're not satisfied in the end even though they have all these things and all the enemy has done is distract you from the real source of good in this life which is God himself made manifest and visible in Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the good in this world the Holy Spirit is the companion that you need in your life. It's not a bunch of money. Like, you have so much money, you can swim in it, right? That's, that's not the companion that you need. But we get distracted into believing that. We get told these things, and so then we go after these things, and we waste our lives. And then people say, well, how come God allows sin, right? People always ask, like, well, how come he allows sin? And, and I think the primary reason why sin is permitted is not so much necessarily because God permits it though I I mean obviously he, he does but sin exists because we permit it because we allow it because we get lured away into the enemy's traps while Jesus offers to to free us of this and so if sin is the darkness what that means ultimately is that Jesus is the light And this is where we really begin to see that we're warmly invited to walk in the light. In uh, John chapter 10, verses 7 through 11, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus Christ is your loving guide in this life. Jesus Christ is the light and the darkness. Jesus Christ is, is the lighthouse in the storm of life. I say this all the time, and I will say this probably in every sermon till the day I die. Nobody ever comes into my office and says, my life is falling apart because I just keep obeying too many of the commands of Jesus. Never, it's never happened once. Like, man, I just, I just been being too holy. You know, I'm just, just, not feeling it. You know, I've been, I've been too faithful to my wife. You know, it's, it's just been rough. No, no one ever says that, Right. It's like, man, I just been, I've been being too honest. You know, I've been, I haven't been lying enough, so I don't feel fulfilled in my life. No one ever says that. No one's ever like, man, I've just been being too thankful for what I have, you know. I've just been so grateful recently, and I just, I'm just so sad. You know, it's like, man, I, I've been seeing too much worship music, you know. I just, I don't know, my, my body's hurting or something. Like, like, nobody ever says that stuff. Jesus is the light. Every single time, and we're such idiots and we go the opposite direction, but every time I do something that he says to do, it always goes well. Every single time. There, is, there has never been a single moment in history where someone obeyed a command of Jesus Christ, the light, and was worse off for it, ever. Because every time we obey Christ, it brings us closer to the light, which is God. And Psalm 16 says that in God is all pleasure, all happiness, and all fulfillment. So sin is darkness. Sin is the distraction. Sin is what keeps us from following God's plan for our life. And yet Jesus is the light. He's the light that comes on so we can feel safe, so we can know our path in this life. And ultimately, the gospel is the medicine that heals our darkness. The gospel is the medicine that heals your darkness darkness. The gospel was the message of Jesus. Jesus is the physician and the medicine that he has offered us is the gospel and when we hear it and when we believe and we repent of our sins and believe that he is our salvation, that he is our righteousness, that he is our good, that he is our light, he is faithful and just, he forgives us, we are wiped clean, we are cleansed, we are new. We get a new life every single time that we approach Jesus. We experience the newness and the fullness of of light. And yet I think in verse 10 of this passage, I think this is so relevant for our day because this is the world that we live in. Let's read First John chapter 1 verse 10. It says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I was corrected this week because, I, you know, I often think that sometimes our kind of feel-good, self-help kind of mentality of life is like a, a product of the modern world, but when you look at it historically, it's kind of always been the same way, right? There have always been people who thought they had no sin, right? Do you, do you know anyone that thinks they don't have sin? Do you ever know anybody, something like that? Like like they're never wrong, right? Sometimes that's us, other times that's other people, and then we're really frustrated at those people, right? Like they're never wrong, right? No matter what. And like when you have a disagreement, they're not trying to get it right, they're just trying to be right, right? There's like no frame of mind in, in them that like somehow maybe they might be part of the problem, Right? And we suffer from that too, right because we 're just trying to make our point, but the reality is is that all have sinned, all have darkness, but the good news is that that darkness can be healed. Uh, many of you know a guy by the name of Walt Disney, and uh, I recently watched an amazing documentary, which for you documentary people out there, I highly recommend this documentary it 's a PBS documentary. Um, on, uh, on Walt Disney, on all of his life. And man, I love watching documentaries because it um, it just encourages me because you see these people, we put them on pedestals and you watch documentaries, you're like, man, their life was messed up. They had a lot of junk, right? It kind of makes you feel better about your stuff. That's kind of how it goes, right? Um, but I was watching this, this documentary and, and for me Walt Disney is just one of those people like he had this imagination where he could like see things and create brand new things. And we don't realize it today but literally Walt Disney essentially invented animation or at least made it mainstream. I mean this guy was putting, I mean like literally like, like we still watch his stuff today that he made in the 1930s how many 1930s things do we still consume today, right? We're, we're just done with it, but his stuff was so powerful and it was so good. And he, for the first time, they say he was the first guy that ever made a storyline so good through animation that it made people cry. It was the first cartoon that could literally get to your heart. And then he made Disneyland, a Disney World, right? And that, 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 there was never anything like that, right? Before Disneyland came along, theme parks were like these nasty and sketchy carnivals, and you know, it was just not good stuff, right? But then Disneyland came along, and it was like this magical and this beautiful place. He was an amazing, brilliant, imaginative man. But what they often don't Tell you about Walt Disney is that literally as he would come up with these amazing um, animations, he'd be in the story room and he'd be like chain smoking the entire time. Like he had this massive addiction to smoking, and then even when it came out that smoking was really bad for, him, he just couldn't stop. Right, he was a chain smoker. And then not only that, but like Walt Disney was a great man. He was, he was nice and he had this persona of being like an, an, an kind of a welcoming person. But man, they say when you crossed Walt Disney, you had never felt wrath like that. He was so passionate about what he was doing. He was so in belief of the pursuit that he was on that like he just had a hard time disagreeing with people. And as I watched the documentary, I, I did come away, honestly, even admiring him more because I knew his struggles. But I was like, man, if, even a guy like Walt Disney, man, like the guy that created the modern-day fairy tale, if he had issues like that, it's like, man, like nobody is free of darkness in their life. All of us have it. And what happens is we have this, this front that we put out for the world, right? Like maybe you think you're a smart person and so that's the image you put out or you're a kind person. A lot of times I hear kind people, they have a lot of anger inside, right? A lot of times the overly enthusiastic people, you're like really negative at home, right? It's so true, right? I'll listen to another podcast this week talking about how um, the greatest comedians are some of the most depressed people that there's like a darkness in them and they, they cover it by this outer image. And so what happens is we have this outer image, this outer life that we portray and yet inside our hearts, there's all this stuff going on. And Yet here's the good news is that we can bring those things out of the darkness into the light and God says he'll heal them for us. He says that anger or that pride or that selfishness or that lust, if you can just get it to the light, then it can be healed. If you can get it at the foot of Jesus Christ, if you can bring it out into Christian community with your brothers and sisters, you can be healed. But what he does not promise is that if we remain in the darkness, if we don't confess our sins, if we don't repent, if we're not honest, it will remain in the darkness. You see, what happens, I think, a lot of times is we think that if we're honest, nobody will love us. And yet that's just a lie of the enemy. There is a sure way to cure all of our sin, all of our darkness, all of our failure. And it's to bring it into the loving light of Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? You just Repent. You just pray to him. You don't, I mean, you can come and I can help you as a pastor, but you can literally pray on your own time and just like, just just verbally list out what you're struggling with and just ask him to forgive you of it and you're cleansed. It's amazing. It's not a process. It's just opening your heart to the light of Jesus Christ. And then the last point uh, this morning, uh, turn with me to First uh, John chapter 2. Uh, we're just going to read verses 9 through 11 here really quick, and I'm going to close with this. It says that we are invited into the light to be the light. In First John uh, chapter 2 verse 9, it says, Whoever says he is in the light, hates his brother, is still in the darkness. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here, just, just real quick, I want to drive this home. We're not just invited into the light just to have a bunch of good old times, right? We're invited into the light to be the light. And, and this is the hard part because um, when you come to Jesus, like, you can't hate people anymore. You just can't do it. You can't come to Jesus, and you can't hate people. And in the original language, that word hate, because I think that's kind of a a tainted word in our world today, and it can mean a lot of different things in our culture, um, that word can just as easily mean detest. And so it basically says you can't detest your brother, you can't be sickened of him for whatever reason, and walk in the light, and the reason why we can't hate our brother, the reason why we can't detest them, is because God doesn't detest you. Because what we have received from God, the mercy and the grace that he has given us, we now show other people. We can, we can detest sin, we can detest the works of the enemy, we can look at someone's life and say, man, like, uh, they shouldn't be doing this or that, but we can't hate people. Because we are called out of the darkness into the light to invite other people into the light. And we don't invite them into the light through hating them. When you hate somebody, you drive them further into the darkness. But when you love somebody in spite of their darkness, you invite them ultimately into the light. You see, what John says in this amazing, uh, amazing paragraph is that your walk with others reflects your walk with God. God. Your walk with others reflects your walk with God. If you love people, you love God. If you hate people, you are walking in the darkness and you can't separate the two as we often like to. You can't hate your brother. You can't detest him. You can desire they change. You can be saddened by some of the things in their lives. But God doesn't hate us, so we can't hate them I'll close with this kind of uh, image of um, having a a newborn it's kind of a a new season for me and uh, man it's funny I've learned all the things I didn't know about having kids by having like a newborn daughter and I think um, people have asked me like what what has surprised you the most about this whole thing right having a daughter Um, and I can easily answer that question uh, what has surprised me the most is I, you know, I didn't take classes or anything. I didn't grow up around kids or anything like that. So I'm not, I'm not like a baby whisperer or anything like that, you know. Um, but I didn't realize that the newborn phase was such a thing, right? I was a little naive. And so I, I guess I was thinking that like whenever they came out of the womb, like you could immediately tickle them and they would laugh at you. Okay, but that didn't seem crazy to me. Like, I, I know it's like, oh, it's so, so naive, you know? I thought, like, I thought that whenever they came out of the womb, like, they would be able to make eye contact with you, and you'd be able to, like, you know, like, have this connection, you know? And I thought that, you know, whenever they came out of the womb, it's like, maybe give them two or three weeks. I thought there would be at least, like, a little bit of a crawl, you know? Nothing. I mean, like, totally stable. Like, totally can't move anywhere, Right. I didn't realize that the head was so disproportionately big to where like the head is like this anchor on the baby you know and they, they can't they can't go anywhere right like you, you put her down she's like you know it's just like the whole time I, I didn't know about that you know and and, and, in, and in light of that you know it, it's still been a joy it's still been a really good experience and I've, I've still loved having her but um it's funny because I, I know that here shortly um, there will be much more of a relationship. And, and I know that um, here pretty soon, like, she will be able to kind of respond back to me. And she'll, she'll you know, laugh when I tickle her. And she'll, you know, she'll enjoy my presence. She'll, she'll actually know who I am, right? Which I don't, I, think, I don't think she knows who I am right now still, you know. She's kind of crazy, you know. I'm just some, like, random human, you know. Because, um, like, at this stage, like, all it is, it's, it's like, eating she Well, no, she, she sleeps and she wakes up and she, she eats, she poops, and she goes back to sleep. And, like, we just kind of keep repeating that cycle for a lot of weeks, you know. That's still where we're at, you know. But it's crazy because um, it's been an image of, like, I get to love her in this season the way, like, God loves me. And that, um, if we're going to be honest... Parents offer a lot more to a, a newborn in terms of relationship than a, a newborn can offer to them. And you look at them and you love them and you adore them, but, but the relationship is something where there's like this season where like I am loving her and trying my best to take care of her and to mold her and to mature her so that one day she will grow up and that that she will be walking in the light and she will do that for, for somebody else. But it's this image of getting to love somebody as a father. Even when it maybe feels like at certain times that they don't offer as much in the relationship. And and I've just been so amazed by the joy that I have of just taking care of her. Like giving yourself for somebody is a wonderful experience. And yet what the world says is find your life and your calling and your plan and and put others to the side. Because you've got stuff you've got to do. And don't worry about other people because they're not going to help all this kind of stuff. And there's like this narrative that says that it's the opposite of what God says. That when you give your life for people, when you give your life for God, you find everything everything this life has to offer. And so I just wanna close by reading a a couple um, passages that really drive this home as we look at how God invites us to emerge from the darkness and walk in his light. Um, In John chapter eight, uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then the Pharisees said to him, Are you bearing witness about yourself? If so, your testimony is not true. But Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. And So basically what he's saying in that moment is like, I'm from the light. So I can verify my own testimony that I am the light. In the last scriptures in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 12. And Paul says, Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. I just want to challenge you this week. Just be honest with God. Be honest with people. Bring your darkness into the light and be healed in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are so patient and loving towards us. And God, I thank you that in the midst of all that we've gone through in our lives and all of our journeys are so different, God, that you have brought us to this moment where you're just saying, I want to heal you, I want to change you, I want you to bring your darkness to me, and I want to touch it and make it light. We thank you for the gospel, and we thank you for what it does in our life, and all the freedom, and all of the healing, and all of the beauty that comes from our wounds, Father. Father. I just pray for this church and for these people that I love so much. Lord, I just pray that they would know the healing that is in Jesus, the light that comes when we bring our life to him and we just open ourselves to be like him as a standard of truth. Holy Spirit, come and just move in our lives and and move in our hearts, God, that we would find your healing in this place. We love you. And we're thankful for what you're gonna do in our lives. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.